Beyond Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Tuesday, May 15th, and it is Lottery Day. Plus, some more forms of gambling in sports could be coming your way soon. This is your boy Matt Shook, an AP writer in Chicago covering the NBA, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Talking playoffs today, the Western Conference Finals started off with a snooze. Also, the draft lottery, some thoughts on it as it pertains to the Pistons tonight, which is also tonight, Game 2 of the Cavaliers and Boston. We'll be talking about the sports gambling ruling by the Supreme Court and when that will impact betting for you, especially in Michigan, and for Pistons playoff playback today, since the draft lottery is in Chicago, we'll be talking about a nice triumph for the Pistons against the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls. Everyone here is excited in Chicago about The Last Dance, the 10-part ESPN Netflix documentary that's coming out next year and was announced at the upfronts today, so we'll have to tear them down a little bit too. But it is conference final season. It is in full swing right now. And to get abreast with all of that, you should be listening to the Lockdown Warriors, Lockdown Rockets, Lockdown Cavaliers, Lockdown Celtics podcast. I've listened to all of those in the past. Good ones for you as well. Of course, the Lockdown NBA podcast delivers the, everything you need for the uh, entire league as well, obviously focusing on the conference finals these days. But on Monday night, the Warriors took game one in Houston, 119-106. to Golden State was led by Kevin Durant's 37 points, and then he bitched about how he got taken out late in the third quarter by Steve Kerr because that's the kind of ass that Kevin Durant is these days. Big shots from Klay Thompson in the fourth quarter to put it away. He had, I believe, 28 points. And then 41 for James Harden in the loss for the Rockets as I double-check how many points. Yeah, Klay Thompson, 28 points in the win there. So Dubs Rockets will play again on Wednesday night, tomorrow night in Houston. one nothing lead for Golden State, as predicted here and by, by most folks around the NBA analysts. And then Thursday and Friday will be no basketball on Thursday and Friday night, returning with the uh, Eastern Conference Finals Game 3 in Cleveland on Saturday. But like I said, it's, it's, it's conference final season, and the NBA is great. Um, season-long, uh, you know, time storylines that we get to follow and watch. But just like last year, I think we're kind of kind of close with a whimper here. Um, can, you know, can, and 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 that's not to say that the the Rockets can't make this a series. It certainly can be a series. I'm predicting that it won't be much of a series, but certainly it could be. And certainly the Rockets could win and make me look bad for delivering this this monologue here, uh, as as has happened before here on the podcast. But it's just kind of the Warriors are the best team. We all knew that back in the, back before the season started. We all knew that right now. Pretty much all of us, although I think some a lot of you guys have, to your credit or maybe you're not credit if it doesn't work out, have kind of jumped on the Rockets bandwagon and think that that might be the best team in the NBA this year. But I just I just can't shake the the, the Kevin Durant thing. Just joining the team, and I know that this is an, the oldest hot take from last year that everyone has pretty much given up on and, and I'm a dinosaur for still holding these beliefs. I think that the Warriors are kind of boring. I think that the league is great and it hasn't ruined the league because it's it's still an interesting league. But if things go like I think they should over these next couple of weeks, the Warriors winning a couple 
very uninteresting series over the next couple weeks kind of ruins the back half of the playoffs. It makes it very uninteresting to, to kind of have that inevitability of what we know is going to happen. You know, Kevin Durant had the 3-1 to one series lead with Oklahoma City against Golden State two years ago and then decided to join the best team in the league and pretty much make them unbeatable. Uh, obviously, you had you had the best, the second or third or fourth best player in the league to the best team in the league, and they're going to be a very good team and probably win a couple few titles. And there's nothing mysterious or, or really amazing about that at all. Uh, he's not really doing anything to further his own legacy or really his new teammates' legacies. Uh, and I think that there's a little bit of emptiness in those rings. And I know again, this is a um, a hot take thing that kind of gets uh, uh, ripped on by parts of the internet. But what's happening is what you would figure what would happen when these guys join join up. And it's really, like I said, no mystery. And I don't. it's not such a great treat watching them play beautiful basketball that it makes up for the fact that it's really not a competitive you know, conference finals and then NBA finals. And that's where I stand on that. I feel like a lot of the, the Twitter world and, and really the internet NBA world uh, the winds of change switched on them. And once Durant and the the um, he wins Finals MVP and the Warriors win the title last year, that everything kind of flipped. And every, my opinion was the one that everyone had last year about them being kind of a you know an empty title and, and the fact that the best play one of the best the second best player or whatever best player joins the best team uh, just kind of makes that a little bit you know, uninteresting of a storyline. And I don't know why that happened that everyone kind of flipped once he won the title. I mean, it was the inevitability of at least the first title, but I'm still see, I'm still the old dinosaur saying Kevin Durant isn't really helping his legacy by winning these titles. And, you know, Steph, Steph Curry isn't really helping his legacy by adding up some more rings uh, in this situation. Uh, of course, it helps a little bit, and it's going to go down in their basketball obituary at some point and elevate them a little bit, but it's not going to put them in some rarefied air of uh, the LeBron, Michael Jordan, or, or you know the Bill Russells, Kareem's, Wilson, whoever else is in the top five or six players of the game. And it certainly doesn't make them look very favorably when you look at guys like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird who had the natural rivals and got over the hump and went back and forth with teams every year as opposed to just jumping on the best team and, and playing on them. I just don't think that's going to be – I don't think history is going to look too kindly on that, and I hope that – as, a, as sports and as society, we hopefully get away from that a little bit. And I know there's some of you that are thinking I'm a bit of a hypocrite as being in LeBron's corner a lot, saying that this is very similar with uh, Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh with the Miami Heat and joining forces down there. But, you know, he didn't just get beat by the Miami Heat in a chance where he had them down 3-1 to one in the conference finals. And Miami wasn't the best team in the league. That was just a good situation where he could get out of a bad situation, find a good one, but it wasn't one that was stacked in his favor. Now, if LeBron goes and joins the Philadelphia 76ers this league. I might be the the first one this offseason. I might be the first one kind of questioning that in terms of is he starting to ride some coattails of some some younger stars and and we'll see how that all plays out and what the reaction around the world would be if that were to happen. But we're speaking in hypotheticals right now about LeBron this summer. What we do know is that he'll be taking on the Boston Celtics tonight in game 2 and 8:30 start in Beantown. They got blown out on Sunday. We'll see how LeBron and the Cavs respond. If history is any indication, I would say that he will respond quite nicely, thank you, despite being a one-point favorite going into this one tonight. And, of course, we got the draft lottery tonight at 7.30 here in Chicago at the Hilton. I am not going, but for the Pistons, the lottery hopes 4.5% chance of getting into the top three and a 0.7% chance of getting the top pick. The obvious topic for today's podcast 
was the draft lottery, but in my mind, there's really not all that much to say. You know, who would the Pistons take at one, two, or three if they got up there? We'll have plenty of time to get into that before the draft if it does go in their favor. You know, is it weird that Luke Kennard is there as kind of the on-screen rep for the Pistons there? Doesn't that kind of seem like trolling by the organization after Donovan Mitchell just did what he did in the playoffs? I, yes, I think that's very dumb. I don't understand it. I think it's a an organization without much you know, self-awareness at this point, but I don't know what else to say about that other than what's always been, already been said about the trolling aspect of Luke Kennard being out there front and center for Pistons fans as they lose their draft pick probably in all likelihood going forward for next month. Is it weird that the Pistons don't have a front office yet as the lottery starts and the combine opens up in a couple days as well? Yes, I think that's weird. I don't know what else to say about that. You have to hope that Arn Tellum and maybe even Tom Gores are in Chicago right now trying to figure this thing out going forward, but we'll see. As I've said, I expect announcements this week, and I think it's a little strange that leaks on interviews haven't come out yet through guys like Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN or other uh, NBA insiders, but not leaking it is a way of doing business too, and it doesn't necessarily indicate that the wheels aren't in full motion and things aren't happening with the search in a positive way for Pistons fans going forward. But we're going to be talking about sports gambling and what the next steps are after the Supreme Court ruling on Monday, especially here in Michigan. But if your company wants to reach men between the ages of 18 and 44, then you should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Pistons is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if that demo sounds good to you, this is your spot. Plus, we've got reasonable rates. So email me at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at Yahoo.com to find out more. A little bit later on, we're going to be doing the Pistons playoff playback. Since we can't live in the present with the Detroit Pistons being in the playoffs, we will look to the past and relive it a little bit. But it is lottery day, so I want to do a little bit of a official Lockdown Pistons live lottery simulator here. They got the apps on uh, tankathon.com. Also, ESPN.com has their own replay lottery that you can uh, simulate here. So I'll do one right now. I got the ESPN lottery mock draft. Uh, simulator here queued up. I'm going to push it right now. I'm going to do it one time and see if the Detroit Pistons can get in the top three or if the 2.5% chance will not come through. So here we go. Here goes nothing. Drum roll, please. Here we go. Processing your lottery results. And the Pistons do not get into the top three of the lottery. So the Cavs win the lottery with the Brooklyn pick going up there. The 2.8% chance of getting the top pick worked out for them in the official Locked On Pistons lottery simulator. So Cavs number one, the Orlando Magic get number two, and the Sacramento Kings move up to number three. So according to Jonathan Giveney of ESPN, the former uh, Draft Express guy, DeAndre Ayton going to the Cavs, Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Michigan State Spartans going number two to Orlando, and then Luka Doncic going number three to Sacramento. And that seems to be the... The vibe around his projections is that um, Doncic goes uh, one or two, Aiton goes one or two, and that Jackson goes number three. But all that depends on which of the teams are in the top three as well. Although I did see one lottery projection with the Pistons going number three that had them getting Trey Young up at number three. So I had a lot of you guys send me your projections or pushing it numerous times on the websites to see if the Pistons get in the top three. One or two of you guys said that uh, – they got in number one on the first try and all that stuff. So yeah, there's a chance. Like I said, 2.5% chance in the top three, 0.7% chance at number one. But on the Locked on Pistons official 
simulator, they did not get number one. So unfortunately, uh, bad news there. But another note to pass along from the NBA today from Woj of ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski. Not exactly a Woj bomb, maybe like a Woj missile or, or maybe less, maybe something like a like a Woj pop gun, we'll say. He says that Mike Budenholzer and Ettore Messina are both meeting with Milwaukee ownership in New York on Tuesday today separately about the head coaching position. So maybe that's uh, an indication that those two are the two finalists or maybe among the finalists for the head coaching position. Budenholzer, who I've said in the past, I want the Pistons to get as their coach, uh, former Atlanta Hawks coach and Spurs assistant, and then Messina, a current Spurs assistant, who has been rumored to be up for a handful of jobs as well. Those Spurs assistants are so hot right now, so we will see how that shakes out. And obviously the Toronto Raptors, very interested in Mike Budenholzer as well. So if, if you're a betting man, you are certainly would not think that the uh, Pistons would end up getting Budenholzer as they're probably uh, number three on the pecking order of available coaching jobs right now at least, and that Budenholzer is in high demand for one of those top two, so you would think a match would be made with Budenholzer and one of those two franchises as opposed to the Detroit Pistons. But if you're also a betting man, well, you've heard me talk about sports gambling on this podcast plenty and uh, passing along the lines, making some bad picks that hopefully you're not following. Even a sponsor or two is involved in it. But now the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, has has had its say. The justices ruled on Monday that a 25-year-old federal law that has effectively prohibited sports betting outside of Nevada by forcing states to keep prohibitions on the books is unconstitutional. The ruling could set the stage for other states to expand legalized gambling as a source of government revenue. I'm reading that word for word from a Detroit Free Press story that was online today, and it sounds like the the case originated out of New Jersey, and it sounds like New Jersey will flip right away. Um, Some of the people that are in the know that I talked to on Monday said that they expect New Jersey books in Atlantic City to be be up and running by week one of the NFL football season. So if you're thinking about planning a trip, maybe head to the Jersey Shore and Atlantic City uh, this fall or this late summer to get ready for some Lions football. But what about Michigan? Well, there's some – obviously this is a game changer in all forms that the uh, U.S. Supreme Court has allowed states to basically do whatever they want, and now it's kind of a state's right, state-by-state decision to do what they want to do going forward. Michigan's not one of the ones that gets talked about as you know being uh, on the ready right away. There are uh, a handful of bills within the legislature that are discussing things like online gambling and things like sports betting. But this specific sports betting ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court, pretty much, like I said, it's a game changer. There's going to be some folks that get on both sides of this. What's unique about Michigan and the Detroit Pistons is that, as my buddy Joel uh, passed along via text today, it's interesting that you have a team that has its parking lot of its arena. Motor City Casino is visible from there. Also, MGM Grand in downtown Detroit and Greektown just kind of being a walking distance away from Little Caesars Arena. How much does that change things? I don't know that it effectively changes anything about the uh, the regulations and everything like that. We know in Las Vegas that T-Mobile Arena where the Golden Knights play and then the arena where the uh, Raiders are going to play in a year or so uh, behind Mandalay Bay on the other side of the freeway. Obviously, those are right near casinos too. So I don't don't think that that really puts much of a hold up on it. I just think that uh, it's more of an interesting wrinkle that the sports books will be really very accessible to the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Red Wings homes right there as well and the Tigers being closer to Greektown too uh, when you think about it. So 
what does this mean for, for fans? It means that we'll be talking more on Lockdown Pistons about sports gambling. It's a thing that's here to stay. It's become more of a mainstream thing, as I said, with the NHL and the NFL moving to Las Vegas already. I think that was a big thing in terms of having it more in the mainstream culture and these leagues and these teams. And the media talks about it. You go back to Al Michaels and Brent Musburger, how they've been talking about point spreads and wink, wink, wink to the audience over all these years. And now, of course, you, you have the younger generation of media, I think, spearheaded by Bill Simmons, who's in some ways like it or not, he, or like him or not, he's been a little bit of a pioneer in terms of the the new generation of sports media. He's been someone who's been talking about football picks and, and sports betting and sports gambling for a long time. So it's here to stay, and uh, we will keep you updated on if there's any news about new developments in Michigan. It's a, another interesting thing to remember is that a lot of things that happen in government, especially state government, and really all, all forms of government, is where the money is coming from in terms of the backing. And keep in mind that the casinos are large companies. They're, they're owned by large businesses and large entities behind them. We know that across the river, we have Casino Windsor, who already has a form of sports gambling there as well. I haven't been there, but it's apparently a situation where you have to have at least one parlay going. You have to put two bets down uh, to, to win both of them, uh, to, to, to win a single bet there. So this, what, whatever the casinos in Detroit and Michigan bring in eventually will be different than that. They'll be the, the more the Las Vegas-style gaming. But keep in mind that if Caesars, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, they have uh, a stake in sports gambling right across the, the river, right in the, you know, quote-unquote Detroit metro area already. So when Caesars Caesar's company decides where to put their political backing, Michigan is not going to be one of the ones that they are going to put on their list. They're actually going to probably discourage people from uh, having Michigan become one of the next hubs of sports gambling, maybe holding on to that market for as long as possible. There are other states where they're going to be heavily wanting to put their properties involved into uh, to legalize sports gambling as soon as possible. So Caesars is going to be one of those companies that's going to be deferring from Michigan. Now, now there are other, obviously MGM is a company that's, that's going to be putting a lot of their money into Detroit. So a little bit of Las Vegas style political casino infighting backdoor dealings to be happening soon. And we'll keep you abreast on what's going on with the sports betting situation as it pertains to Michigan and across the country as well. But we'll have today in Pistons playoff playback coming up next since we can't live in the present. We'll be living in the past with the Detroit Pistons in the playoffs. But a lot of swirling news going on with the Detroit Lions these days, and you should be listening to Locked on Lions with Matt Derry of Detroit Radio. And as we mentioned, all the teams still involved in the NBA playoffs, check out the podcast for all four of those teams in addition to the Locked on NBA podcast. We got you covered. A lot of exciting things happening with the network, so check us out on LockedOnSports.com to see all of the networks and the content that go up written and podcast-wise with all the networks here on the all the podcasts here on the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Now, time for your daily dose of today and Pistons playoff playback, and we're going back to 1988. But for context, we'll go back to 1987. First, the Pistons reach the Eastern Conference Finals in 1987, losing to Boston in seven games. So, a season-long quest to get over that hump, and first you got to get to that hump. So, in 1988, just to get back, the Pistons had to go through some new foes. And we told you last week how it was a five-game struggle in the first round to get through Bernard King, 
Moses Malone and the Washington Bullets before drawing in round two a young Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls year four for MJ. And it was the first season that he won a playoff series. He had gotten bounced in each of his first three seasons in the first round. But this year, though, the Bulls beat the Cavs in five in round one, the first of two straight first rounds. That result would take place with the Bulls beating the Cavs in five. The shot on Elo being the second year, uh, that one uh, coming a year later than the one we're talking about this year in 1988. But this time in 1988, that set up a date with the second-seeded Detroit Pistons for the third-seeded Bulls. The Pistons won Game 1 in Pontiac before Michael Jordan made a statement in Game 2, scoring 36 points in an upset the Silverdome, winning 105-95, to 31 for Sam Vincent, who also started uh, with MJ for those Bulls teams, along with Dave Corzine and Charles Oakley and a young Scottie Pippen, too. So a lot of chances were, were changes were still to come for the uh, the Bulls going forward before they would become champions. The Bill Cartwright trade for Charles Oakley would come that summer. The Pistons would then come to Chicago and get a couple blowouts to reassert dominance, winning by 22 in Game 3. And then, in our Pistons playoff playback for today, May 15th, 1988, just a scant 30 years ago today, the Pistons win 96-77, to sending a message to Michael Jordan and the Bulls that their time would have to wait another day, 24 for Adrian Dantley on this one, 19 from Isaiah Thomas, 16 and 13 from Bill Lambeer, 23 points for number 23 for the Bulls, but he only got to the line for two free throws, making just one. The Jordan rules would go into full effect in future seasons, but this would be the beginning of the headaches for him against Detroit. The Pistons would win game five by seven points at home, setting up another meeting with Boston in the 1988 Eastern Conference Finals. But this time in that one, the result would go much different than in previous years. And we'll be talking about that one down the road here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter on my account at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. And also the Locked On Pistons Twitter account. Also check out the Facebook Facebook page at Lockdown Pistons dash Matt Shook. And give us a rating and review on iTunes as you follow along this Pistons fake playoff season that we got going on here so thanks for listening everyone enjoy the lottery good luck to you hoping for the pistons that get the breakthrough the wish that the front office does not deserve as uh don chich or jaron jackson or deandre ayton or trey young or whoever you want could hopefully land in the pistons lap with a 2.5 percent chance of getting that top three pick and a 0.7 percent chance of getting that first pick this is your host matt shook for locked on pistons thanks for listening everyone enjoy the lottery tonight 